as I've indicated, we're kind of kicking off a new series, and the next four weeks we want to talk about, or I'm inviting you to do what I'm referring to as check your default settings. And some of you have seen the slide repeated or maybe seen it on Facebook as Cheryl's posted some stuff. But one of the definitions of default is a selection made usually automatically or without active consideration. So action or selection choices that we make that just kind of happen automatically. We don't give it a lot of thought. It just kind of gets done. Um, perhaps you could refer to it as a habit. Uh, but I would just encourage you to think for just a quick moment about some potential default settings in your life. Would anybody raise your hand and say that coffee is a default setting? Uh, if you're awake and breathing in the morning, you're going to have coffee. It's just kind of automatic. Something really, really extreme has to happen. Uh, for some of us, uh, technology and social media are a default setting. We're just going to be engaged in social media. We're just going to be um, using technology. You know, some of you, and again, I'm not going to pick on anybody. Well, I will eventually, but not yet. Uh, but uh, if our phone's not in our immediate proximity, our anxiety level goes up exponentially. Yeah, I mean, mine's in my pocket right now, but just, again, technology. I think about some other potential default settings. How many of you have playlists that are already programmed? It's just kind of your default playlist. Back in the olden days, which I'm going to talk about the olden days a fair bit, remember back when you had the buttons on your radio and that was how you preset, uh, you know, you push the button and, uh, yeah, all right, some of you have no clue what I'm just talking about, but uh, that's life. How many of you is, uh, is sleep a default setting? You know, it gets to be a certain time of the day and you're gone. All right, for some of us, the default setting, and again, this is, this is a, an age thing, I think. Uh, didn't used to be this way, but my default setting, if I get home and it's dark out, I'm not leaving again. My default setting is I'm here to stay. Now, obviously, something extreme, really extreme, might prompt me to change that. Uh, others of us have recreational or free time presets. If you have free time, this is what you're going to do, unless it takes very, very specific intentional action. Um, and again, speaking of the default setting, and I, I think of it most often with regard to my computer, anybody in addition to me have the experience where your computer started to act a little weird? And after some investigation, maybe it was through an update, maybe it was through uh, little fingers on your computer that aren't authorized, but you realized after some investigation your computer was acting weird because the default settings had been changed, and you were expecting certain behavior that wasn't happening. Or perhaps you've had the experience where some techie showed you that if you change your default settings, you would discover a whole new level of efficiency. I want you to think about how those default settings impact your lives. As I said, over the next four weeks, I'm asking you, and I'm going to ask you repeatedly, to check your default settings, specifically with regard to several aspects 
of our spiritual lives. So today, I'm going to ask you to check your default settings under the simple heading of go or no. And I'm going to ask you the same question repeatedly today. Nod your heads. I know that I'm repeating myself. I'm repeating myself on purpose in the hopes that you will repeat yourself by asking the question. The question today is, is attending a weekly worship service my default setting? Is that my automatic response? Is attending a weekly worship service my default setting? Now, please hear me well, because some of you, your minds are already churning. Please understand, I will readily concede that attending a weekly worship service is not the only metric or measurement for spiritual health. I will also concede that attending a weekly worship service consistently does not guarantee spiritual health. But I will vigorously contend that it is very, very difficult to maintain spiritual health or to experience consistent spiritual growth without faithfully participating in some type of regular worship and learning experience. And I just have to say this because it is 2018. In my opinion and my experience, and that's all it is, my opinion and my experience, but broadcast online can be great supplements, but they can never take the place of a corporate gathering, be it small, medium, or large. Since I'm a big fan of the principal Misery Loves Company, anybody else love that one? <laughs> I'm going to share something, and, and this has been bouncing around in my head and in my heart for a number of months. It's a paraphrase of a statement made by someone else. Some of you are familiar with, uh, he's a televangelist, multi-site, megachurch pastor, Jensen Franklin. Any, any of you familiar with Jensen Franklin? All right. Now, love him, hate him, agree with him, don't agree with him. I think we all can wrestle with this statement. He said, if your kids get up on Sunday and ask if you are going to church, you've already lost the battle. Interesting thought. You could personalize that and say, if I get up on Sunday morning and I ask myself, am I going to church? I've already lost the battle. That suggests that our default setting should be oriented toward attending. It's not a question that I need to ask. It just is. Now, please understand, I know I'm preaching to the choir because it's nasty. Everybody's got the flu. It's snowing, and you're all here, all right? But it is still something that we need to wrestle with, and I'll come back to that in a bit. So the question again is, is attending a weekly worship service my default setting? Now, here's where it gets personal. The next part says, if not, why? Why is faithful attendance, consistent attendance, not my default setting? The follow-up to that is, if not, what is? 
and will it help me reach my spiritual goals? If consistent, faithful attendance on a weekly basis at some type of worship and learning experience is not my default setting, what is? And will whatever it is help me reach my spiritual goals? Now, friends, I understand that makes the assumption that we have spiritual goals. And in essence, we do, whether we've stated them or not. The fact that we attend even sporadically suggests that somewhere we've determined that there is some value in spirituality. And a worship service is a part of realizing that. So again, is attending a weekly worship service my default setting? If not, why? Why isn't it? And if not, what is? And will it help me reach my spiritual goals or those I have for my family. Before I turn to look at some of what Scripture has to say on the subject, as some of you might anticipate, it's really tempting for me to bore you with a lot of statistics. Instead, I'm going to risk boring you with some personal reflection. This is based on reflections from a 62-year-old worldview. For better or for worse... When it comes to Sunday, I grew up in a different era than many of you. In the world I grew up in, on Sundays, most stores were not open. Most restaurants were not open. I know for some of you, your heads are exploding. How in the world did we survive? In the world I grew up in, Schools never schedule activities on Sunday. I remember vividly, and this was not my growing up, this was by the time I was a young adult. I remember in high school, I'm pretty sure I was a senior, our basketball coach was particularly irritated with us. I won't go into the reasons why, but he felt we needed more discipline. And so he scheduled practice at 8 a.m. on Sundays. It lasted one week before the school board told him no. Now that's, that's the worldview that I grew up with, and there's a point to this, so don't just get ahead of me. In the world I grew up in, some counties in Michigan restricted hunting on Sunday. Some flat out said no. Some said you cannot hunt before a certain time in the morning, 10, 11, noon. The sale of alcohol was restricted. And only the biggest, and I mean the biggest, manufacturing plants regularly scheduled workers on Sunday. In the world I grew up in, most area churches scheduled service for 11 a.m. Now, in our culture, we tend to think, well, that was so people could sleep in and still go to church because we know Sunday's our only day to sleep in. No. 11 a.m. was the magic hour because you still had time to do your chores and make it to church. That's where it comes from, folks. You could say, in the world I grew up in, it was easier to make regular worship attendance a priority because the only real competition we had was our pillow 
There just wasn't anything else going on. I can tell you from personal experience, again, dating myself, but even TV was lame on Sundays. Growing up, now, I grew up in a family that attended church. I would not say we were a family that was deeply spiritual. But growing up, I don't ever remember asking if we were going to church. It was just assumed. Even when my dad started to work virtually every Sunday, I just knew we were going to church. To be fair, I will confess that I usually considered it a real bonus on those rare occasions when I was told we were not going. But the default setting was to go. Hear me now. I share this not because I'm pining for the good old days, but I'm sharing it to acknowledge that I get it. I get that it is harder than it has ever been to prioritize regular participation in corporate worship. But just because it's harder, just because there are a plethora of things competing for our time, energy, and attention, I don't think it in any way diminishes its importance. It's just harder. I will not take time to try to scientifically substantiate my opinions, and I own them. That's all they are is my opinions. But you cannot convince me that it's a coincidence that in my lifetime, as I have observed so many, many, many things rise up and compete with church attendance, that I've also observed a dramatic moral and spiritual decline within our culture. I mean, it may be a coincidence. You're never going to convince me of that. Again, please hear me. I'm not saying church attendance is a magic bullet. But I am saying I believe it matters. I come back to it. Is attending a weekly worship service my default setting? Now you say, it's easy for you, it's your job. Yep, it is, you're right. But it doesn't make it any less true. If not, why? Friends, you have an answer. And your answer is yours. And it may be the right answer. But you still have to ask the question. You still have to say, if it's not... What is, and will it help me reach my spiritual goals? In Exodus chapter 20, there's a section of Scripture that we refer to as the Ten Commandments. And it's, you know, archaic Old Testament stuff. But theoretically, it's still intended to provide a foundation for our Judeo-Christian beliefs. How much so in real practice, that's another question for another day. But several of those commandments speak to this issue. The first commandment in verse 3, chapter 20 of the book of Exodus, basically says, and this is paraphrased, but it says we're to have no other gods, little g, we're to have no other gods before God, capital G. He is the object of our worship. It speaks of who or what it is. That we worship. So I thought, what is a God, small g? 
And the dictionary says it is a person of th- or thing of supreme value. Okay? In other words, nothing is to take his place in terms of our values. So the question that comes is, and, and, and again, this is, this is a, a question we need to ask from time to time. Do I value God supremely? Now, if I ask you that in, in a different context, most of us would say, well, of course. But if I value God supremely, we need to just stop and say, how is that manifested? How is that manifested? The second commandment, verse 4, Exodus chapter 20, uh, says we should have no idols. Kind of the, the when and the how, the mode of worship. So again, I said, simply, what is an idol? An object of extreme devotion. So again, I ask, to what am I extremely devoted? Kind of, you see where the default settings come in? To what am I extremely devoted? I'm extremely devoted to two cups of coffee somewhere between 7 and 9 in the morning. It's going to happen. Or somebody's going to get hurt. I'm extremely devoted to some of my hobbies and pastimes. If there's free time, it's going to happen. I'm extremely devoted to a few TV shows to the point that my DVR is set. And if Diana's home and changes the settings, we're going to have a conversation. Friends, it's church, so you expect me to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. How extremely am I devoted to God? How is it manifested? And then some of you uh, are already ahead of me, and we jumped ahead to to the fourth commandment, verse 8. He says, remember the Sabbath. I'm not going to get bogged down in all the Levitical law about the Sabbath. I mean, they had it spelled out. You know, you could only walk so far. You could only do this. You could only do that. We've gotten away from that. Again, some of us grew up in an environment where you were really restricted by your family in terms of what you could do on Sunday, you know? Over time, that's kind of morphed in for some of us is the Sabbath is, I don't, because it's the Sabbath, I don't have to do anything I don't want to do, but I can do whatever I want to do. That, that's kind of not biblical, I'm sorry. Sabbath, in its barest sense, and it's reflected here, is to rest or cease from work. Based on God created the earth in six days, and on the seventh day, he ceased from work. There was a bunny trail that was really tempting, but I caught myself. The Sabbath speaks of to systematically and intentionally set aside each seventh day as, and here's the key word, belonging to God. It's his day. It's his day. Some of you have that tradition. 
you know, birthday is your day, you know, and, and you're king for the day or queen for the day. Whatever you want, everybody does. Wherever you want to go, everybody goes. Whatever you don't want to do, you don't do. Does anything in my life belong to God with consistency? Friends, regardless of where I spend my Sunday, how often could it be said that I set aside a day or even a portion of a day as totally belonging to God? In case you're not catching on yet, is attending a weekly worship service my default setting? If not, why? If not, what is? And will help you reach your spiritual goals. Some of you who have history in the church know that I'm going to go to Roman, or excuse me, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25 next. And I, I'm just going to go through it on the screen, and, and then I'll come back and comment a little bit. Hebrews 10:19 says, "Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most high, most holy place by the blood of Jesus." by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. I hope you're letting that soak in. And it says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. The subheading for that section of scripture in some Bibles or some translations says, A call to persevere in faith or why we gather, why it matters. And the passage did a great job of accentuating this. One is, as it emphasized repeatedly in the first portions of that passage, is he is always worthy and he is always faithful. No qualifiers. He just is. And if he is always worthy and always faithful, how am I to respond from that to that? Do I have a faith that perseveres? Why we gather? Because I need it. Based on what we just read there, to me it says that when I choose to regularly draw near, it helps to provide an assurance of my faith. It cleanses my conscience and brings purity of heart, mind, and body. That's why. And just ask yourself, how often do you need that? How often do you need reassurance or assurance of your faith? How often could you bear to have your conscience cleansed? How often could you take an action intended to bring purity of heart, mind, and body? Others need it. It's always always challenging because... I'm part of the problem. We we have created a a mentality with regard to church attendance 
then our goal is to get something. What did you get out of today's service? How did the music make you feel? And, and, and yes, that's part of it, but that's not the only part. Part of it is, others need me to be here. My attendance encourages others. As, as, as the author of Hebrews said, one of the ways we spur one another on to good works, one of the ways we encourage others to stand strong in the faith, is by our attendance. Some of you know what it is to have a plan a party and have very limited attendance. Some of you know what it is to work really hard to prepare a special meal, to buy just the right gift, to drive great distance to see someone and get a ho-hum response. Family, friends, neighbors, those who serve, those who are new in their faith, those who are searching, they all need us to be here. Think about it, folks. Hate to tell us it's not just about us. If it were just about us, those who are more experienced in their faith, those who have the gifts to teach, those who have the gifts to lead in worship, if it was just about them, they could say, I can sing at home. I can read the Bible at home. We need each other. When I say others need it, I I joke about this, but it's really not funny. Some of you have had the experience where you've invited somebody to church, and they came, and you weren't here. Now, I get it. Some of you know me well. I've never been one who said, every time the doors are open, you ought to be here. But I do think we need to wrestle with the overall issue. Then I would simply suggest that society or our culture needs it. I hope you caught at the tail end of what the author of Hebrews was writing. I don't know how many of you feel this way, but I suspect there are at least some, if not many of us in this room, if you believe that Jesus will come again, who feel that we're closer today than we have ever been. I think there are those in this room who feel we need Jesus more today than we have ever needed him. Whether that's true or not is kind of a moot point. But the author of Hebrews says, as that day approaches, our pattern of gathering together should increase, not decrease. And again, you can disagree with me if you wish. It won't hurt my feelings a bit. But in my observation, we're going in the opposite direction.
the worse things get, the more important faithfully, faithfully meeting together becomes. As I said, I, I know I'm preaching to the choir because y'all are here. Okay? But I also know that in many areas of our lives, many of the tools that we use, there's a time at which we need to do what some folks in some professions call recalibrate. We need to step back and say, are these settings still correct? Or have they changed over the course of time? And again, many of you know from your own professions that things are going to change. They don't always change for the better. Sometimes their natural inclination is to change for the worse. And we need to just recalibrate from time to time. So that's why I ask the question of, of myself. That's why I ask the question of all of us. Is attending a weekly worship service my default setting? If not, why? If not, what is? And will it help me reach my spiritual goals? Go or no? Would you pray with me? Father, as you know, it is not my intent nor my heart to say more than you would have said on this subject. But I do feel, Father, it is imperative that from time to time all of us need to just stop and say, what are my default settings? And are they helping me to get where I need to be? And Father, as I said, it's not the only measurement. It's not the only factor. Just being here and showing up doesn't accomplish much unless we engage in the process. We engage in the environment. But we can't engage if we're not here. Others can't benefit from my presence if I'm not here. Our culture cannot be changed unless my default setting shows that you are supreme and you receive my devotion. So, Father, my, my prayer is that not that anybody, not that anybody here leave here feeling beat up. Our pastor was on a rant today but that every one of us would leave just saying, what are my default settings? And are they helping me to be where I want to be? Are they helping me to be where I need to be spiritually? Or do I need to retool some things? Father, I, I don't want it to be me. I want your spirit to stir hearts in whatever fashion you feels, feel needs to be. And Father, if my words are not your words, then allow people to just put them out of their mind and hear from you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.